Chapter Twenty Six of Red Diamonds by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twenty Six. Which wins? Raven sat with Lady Scardale and watched the fencing for a few minutes. Fidelia, as we know, was a brilliant fencer and raven liked fidelia and liked to see her distinguish herself but he did not stop long he knew that the moment was fast approaching when lydia would be leaving the college and going back to mrs boringer's and that was the moment for which he had been waiting all day so he presently rose and said he must be off fidelia saluted bostock with her foil and came to say good-bye to raven she liked raven for she liked lydia and she knew well enough that lydia liked raven reading character quickly she felt sure from the first that raven was honestly and sincerely in love with lydia and she liked him for it and in her heart forgave him for the hinted follies of his younger days he had not changed in the least with the prospect of riches and for that too she liked him so she shook him warmly by the hand after he had gone lady scardale stayed a little while in the room but she was presently called away to attend to some college business then fidelia who up to that time had been carrying on her fencing-lesson with more of patient determination than of actual interest gave a sigh of relief and said that she would stop you do not seem to give your mind to your fencing to-day said bostock gravely i was not thinking about fencing mr bostock she said i knew well you were not no my mind was on something quite different may i ask what it was he had lowered his foil and was waiting in a respectful listening attitude we have had a little fencing bout to-day already have we not i suppose so he said grimly do you not know it could you have the least doubt about it no not the least you think miss locke that you have made some great discovery about me think no i don't think i know it your discovery is as if you didn't know my discovery is that you are not professor bostock i told you outright the other day that i was not what i was giving myself out to be he said yes but you did not tell me who you were for all your declarations of love you did not trust me so far as that you left that to me to find out for myself very well i have found it out and i owe you no gratitude for confidence you had better have trusted me in all or not at all mr bostock you only aroused my curiosity instead of appealing to my confidence you don't know much about women i fancy i do not he answered sullenly i have never cared about women i have only cared for one woman in my life oh yes i know for me of course 
with a contempt which was quite purposely put on yes you of course he answered with suppressed passion you of course from the first day when i saw you i loved you but you could not trust me mr jeffet bland his dark face flushed for a moment as he heard the name she fixed him with her glittering eyes her whole soul was set on bringing him down to her feet on taming him and mastering him and making herself possessor of his secret whatever it might be how did you get to think that i am jeffet bland how how does one get any right inspiration because i suppose it is given to one by some higher power acting for good i know that you are jeffet bland tell me that you are not if i dare you i am jeffet bland i meant to have told you all sooner or later if you knew anything at all about women you would have told me sooner and not later you have told me nothing i have guessed it all and dragged it all from you i have beaten you in this fencing match professor bostock you have he said you could beat me at anything i love you too much i am your slave what do you propose to do with me i propose first of all to find out all about you all about me yes what you are playing this part for why you have taken a wrong name why you did not come forward and claim your right in this miserable money what you mean by all this ridiculous masquerade first of all because i love you you told me that before what has your professed love she got the words out with an extreme effort a love for me my professed love you do believe you do know it is a real love and not a professed love she made another great effort and overmastered herself well let that be but supposing that you do really love me what good can you do me by keeping up this stage-play business you will have to come out as jeffet bland in the end most certainly i shall come out as jeffet bland when i am in a position to show that jeffet bland was justified in all the course he took i have had a purpose in everything i have done and one day you will say with all the world that i was right can you tell me the purpose she asked composedly oh yes i can trust you with anything i started with one great ambition fidelia this at least will appeal to you please don't call me fidelia she said with a kind of shudder which however she soon conquered wanting him to accept her words as words of coquetry rather than of utter aversion i will do whatever you tell me to do miss locke he said humbly but it gives me pleasure to speak your name speak it to yourself then in private she answered i can't interfere with that but now tell me what is this ambition which you say will appeal to me yes it will appeal to you 
it is the ambition for revenge on the murderers of my father fidelia started and a sickly sensation went through her and she felt for a moment as if she was about to faint as if the very action of her heart were like to be suspended here was her own inspiration given back to her she had set out to sacrifice everything her love and her lover and everything else to this pitiful passion of revenge upon the murderer of her father and now here is this man whom she is trying to beguile and whom she believes or at least suspects to be guilty of the darkest crimes facing her with the declaration that his first impelling motive was to secure revenge upon the murderers of his father she felt softened for the moment towards him and hardened perhaps towards herself yes she said we have been sailing for some time in the same boat i see you were trying to find the murderers of your father i have been trying to find the murderer of mine i know who is the murderer of your father you know it tell me you do not know i may suspect tell me quickly red gundy is the man who killed your father i thought so but who is red gundy and where is he this was for fidelia a most portentous question if this japhet bland really knew who red gundy was then the whole condition of the fencing game would be changed if this man knew that red gundy was lady scardale's much-loved brother-in-law then it would be hard indeed to say what misery it might not be in his power to inflict the answer came after a moment of silence and a deep breath i do not know he said that is the one thread in the scheme i have failed to get into my hands but i shall get it yet fidelia now drew a deep breath a breath of relief she did not fear him in the least if he did not know that then do you believe she asked that this man this red gundy is the murderer of seth chickering and the author of the attack on mr aspen i believe red gundy is the author and the instigator of the whole work i believe he went to south america purposely to be out of the arrangement of this diamond mine affair having himself in the first instant suggested the arrangement how do you know that my father told me my father wrote to me he answered speaking in a low deep tone as if he had a reverence for the name and the memory of his father fidelia was touched by the sound of his voice there was a certain tone of sincerity in it after all might it not be that this man had a sincere reverence for his father every one had told fidelia of the father's avarice and unscrupulousness and villainy but after all might he not have seemed quite otherwise to his son might not the son have idealized the father whom for so many years he had not seen fidelia's heart became somewhat softened to bland 
well she spoke gently your father told you that this man this red gundy was the man who suggested the peculiar division of this wretched money what inference do you draw from that just this every one who was put out of the way or who died not leaving an heir left his money to the common fund yes yes i know i have heard all about it i am sick of it well go on but it would be no use my going on he pleaded unless i was certain that you knew all about that oh but of course i knew all about that how do you think i could possibly have escaped hearing it over and over again well you know that we have the fact that gundy suggested this arrangement and then bolted off to south america when he suggested that plan he must have had some motive for it yes and you think that motive was why of course to get rid of some of the heirs and so have the large amount of money divided among the survivors oh you think that was it can anything be more likely so much depends on the man fidelia said she did not wish him to believe her too incredulous that would not have suited her game of offence this man i believe to be an utter rowdy and blackguard of course if that is so it makes your theory more probable well go on having suggested the arrangement he bolted off to south america to be out of the way then he suddenly turned up in london the very night seth chickering was found murdered he was standing by the side of the dead man he himself gave the alarm to the police would a murderer be likely to do that why of course he would such a murderer a murderer who had set out to carry through a deliberate scheme it is the very thing he would do the best course possible to take suspicion of his own head but he was suspected this red gundy was he not fidelia asked he was suspected but the suspicion came to nothing and all because it was he who gave the alarm to the police he would have been kept in custody but for that he would have been sent for trial but for that he would have been convicted and hanged but for that bland's eyes were now getting wildly excited fidelia noticed them and she remembered how often she had thought in a vague sort of way that the expressionless look of professor bostock's eyes was the result of an enforced and purposed repression of the fire that otherwise must have lighted there this is terrible she said and indeed she began more and more to feel its terror go on mr bland then there came the attack on mr aspen done as i saw myself by the very same man who killed seth chickering is it not plain that there is a deliberate plan to get rid of a number of the heirs to the property in order to enrich the others but mr bland that would apply to me and to you his face darkened and he asked how to you and to me 
because it will increase our share if there are fewer claimants ah he said with a dismal sort of smile but we are not mixed up in any charges of murder and this man red gundy is i have told you that he is the murderer of your father i know that he laid the way for the murder of mine tell me more she said quietly there is no more to tell as yet there will be i dare say before long the murderer's hand will not rest there now i feel sure of that she said firmly but there is more to be told more that you can tell i don't know still why you changed your name and converted yourself into a professor of fencing at the college of culture the girls school as you yourself called it the other day when you first talked to me about all this can't you guess don't you know he asked excitedly it was for the love of you my father wrote to me time after time and told me all about his suspicions he told me that he had bitter enemies out there he wrote to me just before his murder when he knew he was going to be murdered he told me about your father and how red gundy killed him don't talk of that please well he told me about you the daughter and heiress of the murdered man he himself just waiting to be murdered and he asked me to look out for you and find you and see that you came to no harm i made my inquiries and i easily found out all about you and i got to see you and i fell in love with you and there is the whole story i found that lady scardale wanted a professor of fencing and the one thing in the world i can best do is to fence i offered myself and i settled here and the more i came to know of you the more deeply did i love you why am i here to watch over you to see that you came to no harm the hand that struck down seth chickering and strove to strike down gerald aspen and will strike him down yet he added wildly that hand will not spare you between you and that hand i stand my life guards yours when the plot is all discovered and the murderer is brought to justice then i stand aside i ask no reward from you i love you i shall be glad to die for you so much more glad to save you but my life is yours now you know all my story it began in the resolve to have revenge on the murderers of my father it ends in the resolve to save you from danger and to justify my love yes even if it can't win yours there was an eloquence about the man which could not fail to impress fidelia she felt vaguely terrified as he spoke was he sincere was he insane was he really in love with her if he was how was she to get rid of him she had drawn him on for her own purpose how now was she to shake him off most sincerely did she wish now that she had never engaged in this grim fencing come he said you are a girl of courage and spirit and you hate and despise the commonplace just as i do look here 
from my very boyhood i have despised and hated the commonplace in men and women and life that is one reason why i loved to play this part of fencing-master to the girls school and all the time i knew i was coming in for a big fortune and all the time i knew that i was in love with you good heavens how did i enjoy it i played the part didn't i play it well of a decorous and humble teacher to those girls and my heart all the time burning with revenge and love 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 and the consciousness of a coming fortune oh it was all a delight to me fidelia began to grow a good deal afraid of the spirit she had conjured up she was beginning to have doubts about his sanity she even began to wonder whether he was Jaffet bland at all she knew that whenever a particularly foul murder is done some man perfectly innocent of everything but a little drink and a morbid temperament goes to a near police station and gives himself up as the doer of the deed was it not possible that fidelia's own words her own proclamation that she had discovered this man to be Jaffet bland might have put it into his disordered brain to believe that he was Jaffet bland she resolved to put that to the test at once she was keeping her head marvellously cool although the strain on her nerves and her mind was something terrible i suppose you have your father's letters she quietly asked yes every one i carry one of them always about me i loved my father we loved each other he may have been bad to other people what do i know what do i care he was always good to me fidelia was again a little touched had not she too always thus thought of her father when any one even hinted that her father might have been partly at least to blame for his own fate had she not flashed out in anger and scorn might i see one of his letters she asked gently might you see one of his letters yes indeed you shall see anything you want to see here he searched rapidly in his breast-pocket here is a letter i always carry about with me this is my bible i never part with it it keeps me up to my purpose it wets the edge of my revenge i'll have it put in my coffin when i die if i ever am buried he said with a wild laugh that man went out into the wilds to make a fortune for me and i am not going to forget that you may believe fidelia's thought again was given back to her how often she had told lady scardale that captain locke went out into the wilds only to make a fortune for her here's the letter bland said read it i'll give you a copy of it if you like it was not the letter we have already heard of and studied it was a letter of an earlier date promising Jaffet Bland to make him rich, despite of all difficulties and all enemies. Fidelia read it with an almost despairing effort to seem perfectly collected. It made a terrible impression on her. Implacable hate and, it must be owned, inextinguishable love, a wild, selfish love, 
the love of the animal for its offspring remorseless purpose of revenge utter unscrupulousness as to means such were the characteristics of the nature revealed by that grim letter one question was settled for ever professor bostock was the son of noah bland was japhet bland but the letter with its love and its hate made another thought flash upon her mind how would it be if this japhet bland the man now making love to her was whether mad or sane the instigator of the murders that had been or were to be committed fidelia could have no doubt that other attempts were yet to be made how was she to prevent them that was the question which even while she was trying to get clearly into her mind the contents of noah bland's letter was continually shooting through her brain she gave back the letter to noah bland's son without a word come he said you and i have much in common fidelia started visibly yes we have he continued you began with revenge i began with revenge you despise the commonplace and the ordinary man and woman and so do i let us band ourselves together for the purpose of revenge first and triumph afterwards we shall be rich you and i you are a woman of ambition and talent and i well i have ambition enough and i hope some little talent too i have always set my heart on making a figure in the world i have always determined to make my enemies my footstool i have always made up my mind that i must be rich well i shall be rich come you and help me to revenge and to make a figure in the world i have no ambition fidelia gravely said i want to be happy and do some good that is all no no he exclaimed you have ambition do you think i am blind do you think i cannot see it in those eyes and you have a longing for revenge i know you have come cast in your lot with mine and we will trample on the world together you have told me fidelia bravely said that you well that you love me he made an impatient gesture you have never asked me all the time whether i could care about you you don't love me now i know he said hurriedly how could you i have always seen you as your real self you have only seen me in the disguise of a miserable teacher of fencing in a girl's school but you might come to care about me i have some brains and some skill and i never was afraid of anything and i never shrank from anything i haven't known much about women myself but i have heard and i have read that that is the sort of a man a plucky woman could like if you will have me i will take my chance and i should stick to you for ever and never think of any other woman but you yes i know i should that's my way come will you at least promise to think it over it never could be mr bland i must care for a man before i could think over anything about him you can't care for this man granton he asked fiercely 
this mere outcast of aristocracy this degraded swell this cosmopolitan scamp and blackguard mr bland you must remember that mr granton is the brother-in-law and the very dear brother-in-law of my best friend and benefactress i'll not listen to one word said against him all right he answered sullenly i don't want to say anything against him and so long as he doesn't come in my way he is safe enough then there's the other young fellow aspen i dare say he is in love with you i shall not listen to any more of this fidelia said coldly i have been too patient with you but i like my friends and i always stand by them and i will not listen to any one who tries to insult them our talk is over mr bland it is not over he said fiercely you begin to know what sort of man i am you see how i can play a part you see how for all this time i could pass off as the meek and docile teacher with such a heart and such a purpose as i have well then you must see that i am not easily foiled look out for your favourites if you allow them to thwart me there was no lack of expression now in the blazing eyes you have threatened me before she said and it was that very threat which first helped me to find out who you were do you think i have not my own way of protecting myself and my friends suppose i go to lady scardale now and tell her that you are not a professor of fencing and that your name is not bostock and that you are jeffet bland disguised suppose i were to go and tell her that she purposely refrained from other and darker suspicions about him the girl in all her excitement and commotion saw her way clearly before her she knew she must not at present allow him to suspect that her mind connected him in any way with the murder of seth chickering and the attempt on gerald aspen he smiled a quiet smile you can't do that he said why not why can't i because i have trusted myself to you because i have shown what might be called a blind confidence in you very blind she exclaimed contemptuously no not so blind i knew the woman i was trusting to why although i know so little of women as you told me yourself more than once i do know the woman to whom one can trust his secret i have trusted in you you will not betray me why should i be bound to keep a secret which i discovered for myself i told you before this that if you wanted to trust me you ought to have begun by trusting me i found out who you were what compels me to keep my own discovery a secret what compels you this compels you that you are yourself you never could have made good your guess if i had refused to admit that there was anything in it i told you freely all about myself and at your own request i showed you my father's letter no you can't betray me now the time will soon come when i shall tell the whole world my story but until that time comes i know you will not betray me and i shall sleep in quiet 
and you will think over what i have been telling you and you will ask yourself whether you can do anything better in life than to throw in your lot with mine fidelia started and shuddered yes you will think it over do you know fidelia miss locke i mean i should not wonder if i were ordained to be what they call in the novels your fate i shall make my fate for myself fidelia said proudly well meanwhile i know you will keep my secret and i can tell you one thing more you will not forget me night or day you will not quite forget me you will think of me and you will dream of me and that is something for me the fencing lesson was over and fidelia was not quite certain now that she had won at first all went well with her but was it quite sure that all was going well with her to the last sit for a few moments he said and let me tell you of my life and my hopes and my dreams she sat down he sat down they often sat thus between fencing bouts no one looking in or passing through would notice anything in particular he sat opposite to her with a bearing that was apparently quite listless as he talked with a fluency that never for a moment failed him without hurry as without pause he might have been some tranquil professor haranguing on some recognized creed his face was made quite emotionless his body rested quietly almost limply in the seat only his eyes betrayed any signs of special animation as they watched the girl's face with that lustreless intensity which troubled her against her desire against her will not to be troubled as she listened to him she seemed to be quite in a dream what he told her of his life his purpose and his love shaped itself as in a series of pictures before her and the green and gold autumnal garden beyond proud with the last pride of the dying warmth and fading colours of the year's prime seemed only as the tapestried background upon which fantastic figures were woven she had not ever liked the man she had grown of late into dislike and dread and horror of him and yet as she listened she felt drawn by a sort of shuddering attraction towards him such an unwilling repugnant attraction as that which forms the craftiest weapon of the hooded snake he himself seemed to be quite unconscious of the effect he produced upon her if he was at all conscious of it he kept his knowledge to himself and showed in what he said no deliberate effort to move her imagination or appeal to her fancy had he been giving her an outline of the history of that art which he professed he would probably have put more animation into his narrative have sought more ingenuously and less successfully to enchain her attention but fidelia had more purpose in her patient listening than japhet bland knew she wanted to get at all the secrets of that strange furtive passionate egoistic nature she was willing even to play with him for the time 
to put up with his admiration for that one great purpose she believed that his ambition and his love and all the rest of his feelings alike meant danger to gerald and her whole heart was filled with a desire and a determination to protect the man she loved the more she could get to know of bland's real nature the better she should be able to judge of his real purpose and therefore the better to guard against it so she listened and listened and let him talk his fill he was already fancying in his self-conceit that he was gaining her over that he was winning her over towards him and his views that he had made a great advance that he had at last secured her ear and he knew enough of women to know that through the ears of most of them is the surest way to the heart the evening began to gather around them and the perfume from the gardens through the windows grew at once sweeter and fainter girls passed in and out at the further end of the room fidelia's eyes fell upon a foil that was lying on the floor i must go professor bostock she said formally we have had a long fencing bout this time he looked up suddenly and then a pleased expression stole over his face she had called him professor bostock and had talked of a fencing lesson what did that mean it meant of course that there was a secret understanding established between them that she admitted the necessity for concealing his mystery that in that common understanding he and she stood alone and apart from all the rest of the world the thought gave him a grim satisfaction if he could only have known what was in fidelia's mind at the time he would have been less satisfied so they parted for the evening End of chapter 26